Blog Talk Radio. Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, December 17th. Welcome to the show. Thank you for those who are tuned in um, via the phones and those who are listening online. We appreciate your uh, continued support. Um, if you have a question for our guests or for one of us or you want to comment on what we're talking about tonight, you can give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. Just want to um, shout out some of our listeners from around the world. Um, Just a big hello to our listeners in London and those of you who are in Nigeria and Australia. And we can't forget those who are here right here in the U.S. Thank you guys um, for always tuning in. And um, we're going to keep the show moving. I'm going to turn it over to my sister Denise and she can greet you in her own way. Good evening, everyone, and once again, welcome to the show. Uh, Very briefly, I just wanted to mention, uh, for those of you who are interested in attending um, IMAX LA, now is the time to uh, hurry and get your tickets, as well as if you're traveling from out of state, to get your flights booked and to get those hotels booked. The hotels are going fast, and they are uh, pretty expensive, so... um, just make sure you govern yourselves wisely in choosing a place to stay and going ahead and, and just getting that stuff booked now because it's um, time is getting close. Uh, I'm at LA takes place on January uh, 11th through the 14th. The 11th is um, all-day master classes. Those are paid classes. Um, they start at 8 in the morning to 5 in the evening. And then on... Um, the 12th, which is that Friday, that's the day of the, um, the pro-only <clears throat> show. So if you are a pro member and you have a pro card, you can get into that show. But I do believe there are some classes being offered on that day as well. And then, of course, on Saturday and Sunday, the show is open to the general public, so be sure um, to get your tickets for that. And then I have one more thing, uh, Evolution, that's being presented by um, the Powder Group. Um, The Evolution 2018 registration is now open. Evolution gives makeup artists the power to challenge the what is and explore the idea of what could be. Join James Vincent and Michael DeVellis for a journey that has the possibility of changing everything. Um, Their Evolution 2018 session will be held from May 13th through through the 18th, 
2018 in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Will you be the one of the 20 artists who will take this journey with them this year? Well, next year. Using a series of nine principles that are a constant current through the program, insight, clarity, examination, creation, focus, precision, control, perception, and discovery. Um, over that five-day event, they will clearly focus their attendees' goals and growth in each area of their development of those focuses. During the development process for the event, uh, the, they thought that a lot of those principles and how they relate to the artists um, would have developed the event for artists who were solid in their knowledge of product, technique, and industry, but clearly understanding that with every learning experience, they grow as artists, business people, and as a community. Also, artists who know that, that none of us know it all and that the only thing that we can do, that we do know for certain, is that everything we do now changes. Um, this event was also developed for artists who understand the difference between doing good makeup and being a great makeup artist. It was also developed for artists who are excited by the idea of finding new ways of looking at their career and craft and ensuring a sustainable career through their ongoing development. And lastly, it was developed for artists who are prepared for the next phase of their career and open to finding a path, maybe even an unexpected one, through self-discovery and examination. So they invite you to explore evolution and hope that the program will be one you feel connects to you and your goals for your own future. You should expect, however, that a level of ambiguity will be left to the specifics. Um, they have developed a program that is meant to be experienced without a set of expectations to follow along with allowing your experience and growth to unfold in front of you as the week progresses. Attendees are each interviewed by Michael DeVellis personally to ensure that the program is the right fit, um, the right fit for the right artists at the right time in their career path. So if you're interested in participating in Evolution 2018 or you just need more information, you can email kelly at thepottergroup.com as soon as possible. Um, they will be setting up in, um, interviews in the order that um, that these that the registrations are received. So again, it's only for 20 um, attendees. So if you're interested, hop on it now. All right, sounds good. Um, our guest tonight is a celebrity makeup artist. She's an author, and she uh, was also a contestant on the first season of American Beauty Star. We're going to talk with her in just a few moments, but right now here's a message from one of our show sponsors. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about friendsbeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At Friends Beauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skin care, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our Friends Discount Program and shop with us today at Friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com. Friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818 691 1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today. 
Welcome to the show, Kim Ubre. Hi. Thank you, Kim, for Thank joining you. us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> I have to say, um, early on, I was looking at, um, before the American Beauty Star came on, I was looking on the website just to see who the contestants were. When I saw your picture and your uh, first name, I said, this girl looks familiar. I said, but I thought she was a hairstylist. And <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know how, I, I mean, I just really don't remember actually how I knew your name and face. Um, I'm not really sure, but I, you know, I knew that you were a hairstylist. I'm like, but okay, so she's competing on this show as a makeup artist. And enough about the show. I just really wanted to say that because you are a hairstylist as well, correct? I'm a hairstylist. I was a hairstylist first. Yes. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell us a little bit about what inspired a career in beauty, um, how you went from doing hair to makeup and all that good stuff. Well, my name is Kim Nicole. I am a cosmetologist first and a makeup artist, which falls under the same category. Um, I've been doing hair for about 15 years. I am a salon owner as well and um, an industry makeup artist. I fell into it about um, maybe nine, nine years old, and I would do hair around the house. I would do my hair. I had very coarse, thick, long hair, and I used to be teased about my naps. So, mm-hmm. You know, I had to do something about those, you know. Um, so I started playing in my hair. And my sisters, they all had long, thick hair. And I would play in their hair and then people from school. And then I, you know, of course, fell in love with cosmetics through my mom. And the rest is history. I went to cosmetology school in high school. And this is pretty much the only job I've ever had. Oh, wow. <clears throat> And you love it, right? I love it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, if you weren't in the beauty industry, do you have any idea what you think you could have wanted to be? I really wanted to be in the Air Force, and I wanted to be a firefighter. So oh, I would wow. probably be in Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's- we had a history of um, Air Force people in my family, and I really wanted to fo- follow in my uncle's footsteps in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to learn how to fly, fly airplanes. So that was one of my goals growing up. Um, and beauty kind of took over that. <laughs> I said, move over, airplanes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> In your professional opinion, what do you think makes a great makeup artist? So aside from skill, because usually that comes naturally, it's all about Mm -hmm. knowing. I've met a lot of makeup artists in the industry, and they don't know what a sanitary maintenance area is. And it's Mm. like, wow. Maybe I know because I have a copy. Right. Yeah. 
in California, you don't have to be licensed in order to do makeup. So right. I find a lot of um, don't know about disinfection and sanitation and things like that. So that's very important. Um, you know, just knowledge, knowing about how to use color correct um, mm-hmm. your personality goes a very long way. Being able to execute different looks. Um, I just made union. So, oh, congratulations. Thank you. So going into the union office and talking about becoming a journeyman really opened my eyes to things. And, you know, I knew makeup artistry had a lot to do with prosthetics and, you know, working with ball caps and things like that and FX. But to become a journeyman, you have to know how to do everything. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm really working on, you know, knowing how to do everything because beauty has just really been something that I really embrace and Mm -hmm. now I'm starting to embrace the FX and things like that and I'm like okay so this is what being a real makeup artist in this industry is all about and those things are very important knowing and really being knowledgeable about everything really is you know I'm a great makeup artist you, you know, touched, okay, you, said, touched on, you touched on two things that I, I want to uh, address. The, the first one was, um, oh, gosh, see, all this talking now, I can't remember. The first one, though, I do believe was, um, oh, okay, I know what it was. You, you talked about how makeup artists, you know, like with sanitation. And do you think that comes from, and you mentioned because you, you understand it and know it because you have a cosmetology license. Do you think that um, that ignorance of that comes from not having a license? Because I find that, in my opinion and from my experiences, I find that that's where it does come from. People who don't have license have never been um, been in, in any type of training program or school that that right. automatically teaches you that. That's like one of the first things you learn, whether you're in right. hair school, aesthetics, or whatever the case that's one of the first things you learn is sanitation, sterilization. Right. So do you think that comes from just not having a license? And and, and is that something that you think the states should implement um, for makeup artists? I do think it it comes from a lack of training. Um, In my professional opinion, yes, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but Mm -hmm. I think that we should have a license and we should be trained, you know, because it's not all about skills. Right, right. And and sometimes I find that because makeup has become so popular through social media, I find that there are so many people who want to be a makeup artist, but they, they really don't know and they really don't take the time to discover what it is, number one, that they truly want to do in the makeup industry. And two, yes. they don't take the time to discover what skills are necessary to do specific jobs. Um, like you mentioned, people just don't have basic skill sets for certain things, and it's like, why is that? If you want to be a makeup artist, um, like you said, being a great makeup artist is pretty much knowing a little bit about every aspect of the industry. So like you said, you're, you're starting to embrace special effects, especially now that you're in the union. That's something that you definitely have to embrace if you want to continue right. working because, you know, there are, there, you know, movies and television shows, they require so much, especially with the movie. 
You know, you, you're going to yes. have all types of movies, you know, period movies, you know, action flicks, you name it. And, it. and it's all not just beauty, you know what I mean? So it's like those certain skills you do need to know. But that, I think that's a good point for just all makeup artists, though. Who I've met, they do great work, but they don't know, you know, how mm-hmm. to really play the different types of eyes and face shapes. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to work contouring. And it's like, well, that's something you kind of should have dove into when you figured out that this is what you wanted to do. You know, right. every face is not built the same. That's right. So you can't uh someone with a wide set eye and do the same thing on a small eye. Mhm. So, and that's yeah. that's something that's something we point out almost every week on the show. You know how I like <laughs> to call it paint by numbers because everybody does the same highlight and contour on every face. Yes. But it's yes. so important. I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so important. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I just wanted to kind of piggyback a little bit. This is Janice. Um, piggyback a little bit again on the um, the license situation. I know when I first started out in Maryland, where my sister and I are from, in Maryland back then you had to have a license to be a makeup artist, um, and we got the sanitation lessons. And when you did your state board exam, those questions were on there. Same thing yeah. when I did my nail. When I did my nail license, um, the majority of the exam was sanitation. I mean, you have all of these different diseases and big terms and all kinds of stuff they could have asked you about, but the majority of the written exam was sanitation. So. I totally agree. I think that makeup artists should be licensed. Now in the state of Maryland, they got rid of that license. I think they need to bring it back. Um, And I think they need to have it all over the country. When back in 2002, when my sister and I both joined the union here on the East Coast, um, makeup artists had to have some type of license, whether it was a makeup license or an aesthetics license. If I'm not mistaken, now... They're not requiring it, right? Correct. I don't Here know why, either, but they're not. Okay. Um, okay. So, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But, um, but when you were talking about, you know, doing the journeyman, um, you know, learning to be, you know, learning everything that you need to know to be a journeyman, um, I thought about the show Face Off, and I know that it's, yes. you know, and and affects you know, type of reality show. But when you think about it, and a lot of the different competitions, you know, regardless, you know, whatever it is that they're asking them to do on a given night, when you look at some of the work, they have to know how to airbrush, body paint, um, you know, scars, bruises, make their own, you know, whatever. It's a lot. But when you think about it, now some of them are not necessarily always, the best beauty artist because they, you know, focus so much on effects. But I love that show because it goes to show all makeup artists, especially the beauty ones that are very well-rounded makeup artists, knows a little bit about all of it. And I think it's yes. so important. You may not be, you may not excel at effects, but if you can do the basic out-of-the-kit effects, um, you know, some of your basics and then leave some of the bigger things for those who specialize in that, I say that's good. You know what I mean? If you could at least do that much. Yes. 
Yes, at least have knowledge of it and be able to execute something so that it can be camera ready. Right. But it doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, you are a hairstylist as well. So the same question, the same question that I asked about makeup, what about, what do you think makes a great hairstylist, in your opinion? Um, I think it would be the same thing. Fortunately, here, you have to be licensed in order to even work in a salon. Um, so I think that's, you know, important as well. And, again, knowledge, it never stops. Keep going to classes, keep learning from others, um, study, you know, work on things. And, again, cleanliness is extremely important so that we don't pass on things or cross-contaminate or whatever. Same thing with hair. Mm-hmm. Now, you were talking, you guys were just talking about contouring and highlighting, and um, in your introduction you had mentioned um, something, I, I, I think I heard you saying something about, like, corrective, something about corrective work. I'm not, I think that's what I heard you say. Um, but can you give us maybe five products that you think a makeup artist should always have in their kit? For my always (laughs) list, right? Um, Being that I am a makeup artist who is allergic to latex, it is very important to always have latex-free glue. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. it is important to have latex-free sponges. Yes, Mm -hmm. Um, color correctors are very important. Um, makeup sanitizer is extremely important to me and something that people lack is a variety of foundation types that is Mm -hmm. also very so those are my five now that's a discussion in itself (laughs) Um. um hmm I want to I want to approach that, but I'm trying to figure how do I do this. Um, <laughs> okay, let's just say what it is. You know, for years there were not a lot of um, options for women of color. Yes. Over the years, maybe certain lines did a good job, you know, at at providing options for women of color. And I'm not just only talking black women. Um, Mac has done well. You have yeah. other ones that are that are that are out. But now today, it's a it's a big thing to have those shades for for women of color, I think. When you see in the advertising and the different brands that are now saying that they can provide shades for dark women. Mm -hmm. Um, But then some of those brands you see, they're still not making the mark. You know, there's there's still something about it, you know, a little too red, a little too this. And I'm not necessarily saying that they're, they're, um, they're white brands. Some of them could be some of the black brands as well. Um, right. And then Rihanna, 
<laughs> brings out a line. I really couldn't tell you anything about the foundation because I could not seem to get my hands on my <laughs> shade. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, something is going right, I do believe. Right. Um, I haven't heard anybody complain. Um, a lot of people that did get their shade, they liked it. Um, I haven't heard again. I haven't heard anybody complain anything about it. But I will say, since Rihanna has brought out her line, people are ranting and raving about it. There have been other brands, other known brands that's been around for a while. You see things on social media where you know it's almost like they're throwing jabs. You know. Mm-hmm. At her yes. and her brand, um, which is sad to see. <clears throat> but my thing is, is I'm happy to see that her her line is doing what meant it to do. Um, yes. What do you think about the options that are available to women of color now? Do you think, you know, some people get it and some still not so much? Or do you think we're making progress? How do you feel about that? I think that some people get it and some don't. And I also think that we've been making progress. It's much better than it was, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of the lines I've tried are lines that have been sent to me. Um, some of the foundations for darker women are still too gray um, or they don't oxidize right or, like you said, they're a little bit too red. So, you know, I know that there are a lot of shades of women of color with the olives mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but I'm like, who are they testing this on? Right. You know, especially when it comes yeah. to the stick foundation. It's just hmm, that's, it's just mm-hmm. not quite right. And I typically mix everything. My lip colors are always mixed 100%. Um, and even mm-hmm. my foundations are is mixed along with my concealers, so I don't mind mixing. But it's that undertone that they're not getting right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That you're the first person that I've ever heard say, you know, when you talk about this topic, that they're not getting that undertone. That's the, that's it right there. That's yes, it. that undertone. Mhm. They're Absolutely. It. And I I feel like, um, you know, coming from a consumer side, you know, typically women that consume makeup, they don't buy two or three different shades. They go and buy one. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult when they don't understand, you know, the theory and they don't know. It's difficult for them to, for you to hand them something and say, oh, you just mix this one and then like one drop of this one and then that'll be your shade. They're not going to go home and do that. So, you know, right. if you're trying to sell to consumers, you need something that is not going to miss the undertone mark and it's not going to flash back in, you know, iPhone or whatever kind of phone photography if you're outside or in the club or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. these people that you're trying to market to, you need to be able to hit it on the head so that, you know, they aren't out looking crazy. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And especially those people, those everyday women who they're they're not experienced at 
um, selecting a foundation. They may think right. they are. You, you know, some women think that if they can see the foundation, then it's it's right. So I remember for for years back in Maryland, there's a woman who was going to the church that I was attending, and she would wear her makeup kind of heavy. So I don't know if she was trying to cover up something or not, but it was so wrong. The shade was so wrong, and it was so <laughs> wrong that it was so obvious. You know, it, it's one of those. You know, it's one of those things when you're off by one shade, but when you're off by it looks like three or four shades where it's obviously not the right shade. It was one mm-hmm. of those situations, and you know, it was one of those situations, but. She thought she was right. And people, I would hear people talk about it, but nobody would say anything to her. And when I say people talking about it, it would be, she sang on the choir, it would be other choir members. So that you know that, you know, because they're in the choir, I would think that they would feel comfortable to say to her something about her foundation. <laughs> but, you know, I stayed away from that because <laughs> I just stayed away from that because I'm like, You've been doing this for years. I don't know how I'm going to convince you that it's not right. Yeah. You know, so for those types of people who go out, purchase something, like you said, that's not addressing the undertone, it's still a little too gray or something like that, they pick up a color thinking that they know and wearing it and walking around looking bad. Yes. You know? And, I, I, and have, just, I have this. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I have this discussion a lot um, because <laughs> um, someone told me one time um, they were looking at some work I did, and they said, "Well, how are you a real makeup artist when the girl looks like she doesn't even have makeup on?" <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how. And it, <laughs> and I, it confused me, but I was like, "Oh." So you, this is what you really think. Like, if I'm not blended well, then I'm popping. And if I'm too right. blended, it's not enough. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what people think. That's what the consumers really think, especially with social media, how yeah. things have to look. And they don't understand that, you know, highlighting and contouring is an illusion. Right. And they think that if you can't see it, it's not good makeup. Yeah. And that's, that's been the thing with, like, with film and TV artists. People, you know, they look at, at film and TV artists and they think, oh, wow, they can't do makeup because they don't see the makeup. It, it almost looks like the person on camera did the makeup themselves because they, they think it's so light. But what they don't realize is, you know, you're, they're looking with their eyes, but they, they, can't, um, they can't forget about the camera and what the camera does to your work. So once you make somebody up with your natural eye, you can definitely see makeup. But sometimes once yes. it gets in front of that camera, it changes it so it's a little different. What most people are used to looking at is what they do to someone, and like you said earlier, they're taking pictures with their cell phone, you know, or they're just, just actually just looking at somebody and thinking, oh, my gosh, she looks great, she looks this, she looks that, she's beat. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that we can use Sometimes we can use just as much makeup as they do, but we make it look yes. like we didn't. Yes. yes. And that's a true artist. 
And they don't also understand, you know, how far it's supposed to go. So you have those people, especially older women, unfortunately, walking Mm -hmm. around with orange faces. Remember when, like, orange-based makeup was, like, really the thing and everybody black would walk around with orange faces? Yep. Are these older women who don't understand that makeup has a shelf life? So they just shake it right. up, and then they're walking around church like real gray. Yep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, we've seen it all. <laughs> I'm sure. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. With these, these eyebrows, <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That that kind of leads into my next question about social media and how it's like, like how has it affected your career or it has it affected your career in a positive way and a negative way or, is, or has it affected it at all? I would say it's affected it in a, a positive way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's anything negative. Um, I enjoy social media. I can't be on it often because mm-hmm. I'm working. I think that it, has a negative effect on real makeup artists who actually work. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, it. It has a negative effect with, on the industry. Yes, on the industry it has a negative effect. Mm-hmm. But if you want an everyday woman who likes to look like they have on a lot of makeup and have 20 colors on their eyes, you know, social media can work for you. <laughs> but for industry makeup artists, when you're, especially when you're working with certain celebrities or certain mm-hmm. projects, you know, we, I didn't grow up in the industry having phones and pitching cameras and things in people's faces. So it's hard right. for me to say, hey, such and such, I need to take this picture because now social media is a part of my business. I think that's wrong. Right. right. I also believe that it's an invasion of privacy. You know, yeah. I have some clients who enjoy the pictures and they post on social media just as much as I do. So we have that understanding. They'll take a picture or they'll ask for a picture, you know. Right. But then I have some clients who have never been on my social media, so people don't even know that I do them, which is fine with me right. because I'm still cashing that check. But That's it. That's right. Say that again. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's had a negative effect because it's harder for us working makeup artists to get certain jobs because, mm-hmm. you know, people don't have websites, which has blown right. my mind. Right, and right. And now I guess you really don't need it because people say, hey, I want to consider you for a job. Do you have an Instagram? Like, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I will say this. In film and television, they normally don't ask you um, for your website. But there will be some times when a producer will. Yes. And so, therefore, I think it's still very important, especially for those of us who are union makeup artists, and if, especially if the union, um, that's where the majority of your work comes from, I would definitely make sure that I have a website. Um, as a just-in-case, you know, things, the industry as a whole has totally changed. Um, so you never know when somebody's going to ask you for it. Um, so 
So I would definitely make sure as a summer TV artist that I would definitely have a website as a, you know, for as a just in case. And plus you also want to promote your work. Sometimes, it, you know, like my sister and I, we do a lot of film and television, and pictures that you do have of the makeup that you've done, you can't even post it until the movie has been seen or the show has aired. Um, and Absolutely. if you ask me, if you ask me by that time, it's old news, but, you know, still like to see it, but you can't post it right away. Right. So, you know, so that's, that's kind of hard when you, when you're going through that kind of thing um, to build up something on an Instagram for people to see, you know, uh, potential employers rather to see. So it's, it's definitely good to have one. If you can. Yeah. Because, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, but because you were saying something about, um, like, you know, potential clients asking if you have an Instagram. How do you feel about some of these clients, like some of these celebrities, actresses, singers, or what have you, you know, who 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 want to basically look like um, some women on Housewives, or you know, they want to wear their makeup like that now, like people who have been in the industry for a while, but now it's like. They want to look like every other common woman out there. You know, it it puzzles me because mm-hmm. I have asked, um to, you know, give someone the Michael Jackson nose. I've been told that, you know, I can't see my contour, so I need you to make it darker. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow. You know, like, I don't do makeup like that. And then when I'm forced to do it, of course, I can execute it, but... It's hard for me to even post your picture, <laughs> right? <laughs> or repost or whatever because I see it, and if I see it, I don't know how you don't see it, right? Or why do you like it? But I guess it's just a trend thing. Yeah, because you're not supposed yeah. to see the contour. <laughs> no, and I explain wow. to them as well, especially with upcoming makeup artists. You know, when you look through magazines and you look at television and things like that, if that's the the genre of the industry that you like to be in, they don't you don't see all that. You don't see a million colors, you don't see extreme highlight, you don't see extreme contour and people make them feel less than on, you know, platforms like Instagram because mm-hmm. the people with the one million followers have makeup like that. Mhm. You know, and you know, being on social media, it'll kind of make you feel like that. And then they, they're taught the right way, and they're educated on things, and they execute it very well. And then in a couple of months, it's like, oh, so now you reverted back to Instagram makeup, and now right. you don't know how to go back to what you really want to do because you're following the trend and. These are the clients that are sitting in your chair. Right. It's been a difficult one. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Kim, earlier when we first started the conversation, you talked about, you know, as a child um, being teased about your hair um, and things of that nature. I'm leading up to a question about your book. So when I'm doing doing a little research preparing for this interview tonight, um, can you share with us 
what inspired your book? Um, the book, and it's called your book is um, a little makeup can't hurt. So can you talk yes. a little bit about what what inspired uh, you to write this book? So, I have a lot of books. I have shelves and shelves of makeup books, and mm-hmm. I have one that is full of nothing but Asian people. I have some, and there's nothing but white people. And I mm-hmm. said, well, I don't. I haven't found a book where it's everyone in the book is black. Mm-hmm. So that was my first thing. And then I said, well, I'm not like an extremely popular makeup artist. People really don't know who I am. So I can't just like have a makeup book full of black people and it really means something. So because makeup helped me with my self-esteem, because I was teased about my nap, because I was teased about my big lips and my big nose, I said, why don't I sneak my story into a makeup book? To help women and help people because that's what I love to do. So God placed it on my heart, and I wrote a little makeup can't hurt. Nice. Yes. And what's been the re- what has been the response to this book? Well, it, I've had a great response. A lot of people that um, follow me on social media purchased my book, and I'm so thankful and grateful to them. Um, I haven't done a lot of promoting the book, although it's done well. I'm on my second book. I'm writing it now. It's almost finished. Um, I'm going to do a volume two because the publishing company that I went with didn't really want to do what I said. <laughs> so it's not everything that I want. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to do a volume two and make it everything that I want. But it it was very important to me not to use models and to use real women that had tattoos, that had things going on with them, you know, that real women encounter. And Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to open a makeup book and see themselves and not just see a model that they cannot relate to. So that was very important for even my daughter. I have a 12-year-old daughter, and... I said, I want something for her and, you know, people like her to be able to open a book and see that, you know, we can look beautiful too with whatever we've done in our lives. And tattoos are not a bad thing, but, you know, usually for weddings and things like that, they're covered up. Right. You don't see a lot of people with tattoos and things like that. So people that love tattoos or have tattoos or may have regrets about, about tattoos, they can't open a beauty book and that and it'd be okay it's something that's shamed mm-hmm. right so I want I wanted people to be able to open it and relate to it nice if there is one thing that <clears throat> um, you could change about the beauty industry as it is today if there was one thing you could change about the beauty industry what would it be <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> I think that I would change the challenge of makeup artists of color being forced to know how to do every skin type. Oh, and God. white counterparts not being eligible. 
with every skin type and shade. Mhm. That's what I would say. It boils. Okay, but let me ask. Let me ask you this: Why do you think that? You know, because I totally agree with that. But what do you think? Well, why do you think rather? It's that way. Well, I think it's that and, way because. Uh huh. No, I just I was just gonna basically say quickly that um, when I start when I when I talked about going to makeup school, I was in makeup school, and it was like, I don't know, um, maybe six of us that were people of color, and they said that was the largest class that they've ever had with that many you know black people. Um, so the great thing about that is that you everybody got to practice, you know, on black faces and on white faces. So that was pretty cool. Uh-huh. But when I left when I left makeup school and all the jobs that I had to do, you know, besides weddings, you know, like little corporate videos or different little things at the T V stations or whatever, I was always doing Caucasian faces. Always. Yes. That was my main clientele when I started. So, you know, and then when I packed my, as I was packing a kit or learning how to, you know, build my kit, you know, I would always go and buy a mixture of makeup to always have the product, you know, for a variety of people in my kit. So I'm just wondering, one, why do you think, it's that way, and I feel like a lot of the black artists that I know have had the ex- experiences of, you know, when they're starting out, of working on all skin tones versus just all black skin tone. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yes. that's what we have had to do. Um, so I just don't understand why it's always that way, because as artists, and the basic principles of color theory and makeup, like we should all be able to do anybody and everybody. Right, but I think that we have a better advantage as black women because black people come in all shades. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a that can pass for white, and I also have people in my family that are African. So... You know, I've had the advantage of working with all shades. Um, Some of my white counterparts may not have that advantage, you know. Um, And I think it's more of a fear for them. Mm -hmm. And because black women have all shades in their families, you know, we have the ability to adjust when it comes to makeup and undertones and things like that. And they just may not have that ability because they don't have to practice. But I still think it's unfair. You know, in my opinion, you should go out and find someone, you know. And then I I find that black women, especially in the industry, are scared of other people to touch them because of those experiences. And it's almost like uh, the white have to convince the black actress that they can do it, you know? 
So that makes it harder for them, but I still think that it's a little unfair that, yes, we have to work harder, but when it comes to skin tone, it's, we're so knowledgeable in that area and they just have no clue. That's right. so true. But, I mean, don't, don't you find it insulting when, you know, you show up for a job and you have, you know, um, there are other white makeup artists that, you know, that show up for a job and you open up your kit and you've got a range. Even if it's, even if it's like seven foundations, you have a range to do anybody. And when they open up their kits, their range of seven foundations is all, you know, it's pretty much, they could probably do white, some Latina, some Asian. But mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I found it, I find it to be insulting that you show up for a job, and in my opinion, you're not prepared. Like, you feel like this is all that I do, so I don't have to have something just in case. Right. But I also think that it's reflective of the industry. There's not, you know, just now, you know, what was it, Oscar so white when, last year? Uh, Was that last year or the year before? Yeah, I think it was the year before. You know, now they are starting to, you know, embrace more black actresses and things like that. And, you know, so it's, it's reflective of the industry. It's a reflection on what's been going on in America, period, for years. But, you know, you but know? I've, I've, often, I've often seen it on, um, on movies, like, you know, movies where um, the actors are, it's, a, it's just mixed races. You know, you may have Caucasian, you may have um, African-American, you may have um, Latino or whatever. And, you know, let's just say the makeup department head on the show is Caucasian. And you have, I'll, I'll say this because this is this was the actress on the show. Jada Pinkett Smith was on the show. And I guess they didn't know that she was going to bring her own makeup. Mm-hmm. So they ordered from one of the beauty supplies in L.A., they ordered like a variety of different shades from this like really popular um, brand for women of color because they didn't have it. Like this, you're the you're the head of the department, and you don't have and you don't have shades for all skin tones. Like that blew my mind. Yeah, but it, it blew my happened. mind. I just had a client right before I became union. I had a client that worked on a movie and she had to call me and ask me what foundation should she go pick up because she's doing this movie and they don't have her shade. Mm. So she had to go. Yeah. Out. I knew a department head. I knew a department head, a white department head to to have a very popular black actress to go to the department store to get her shade of makeup. Mm-hmm. Sent the actress yep. to the department store to get her shade of makeup. It's more often than not. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let me, let me say this. I um, remember this, these were in my early days when I'm first starting out. Um, 
I never even knew that to be an issue until one day I was remember being in South Carolina working on the set of The Notebook, and it was a bunch of us um, working with the background um, actors. And so we had a little downtime. So, you know, we're, everybody's just kind of like looking at everybody else's kit. Oh, look, you know, looking at different products in each person's kit. And I remember, I think I, at this time, I think I may have been the only uh, black makeup artist and that particular day. And um, I was looking at other people's kits, and I didn't see any dark shades. And I said something to one of the girls, and she was like, well, I never have any African-American clients. Oh. So, yeah, so my my thought was, well, what if you get one, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and you don't have anything? Like, feel like that's what makeup artists are supposed to do. Okay, I don't have, you know... I mean, a lot of my clients were were Caucasian, so, but but I'm black, so, and I know black people, you know what I mean. So, I was mm-hmm. going to make sure that I had I had uh, colors for my existing clientele, as well as the people that I would probably that would probably be coming to me, you know, who know me personally. Can you do my makeup type of thing, you know, and then. You know, of course, you know, when you freelance at the counters, it's anybody could walk up. So that's the one thing I liked about freelancing. You get a chance to practice on all skin tones. But when I Mm -hmm. saw that and I saw that no one had dark shades, you know, that's when I started to pay attention to it. And then a few years later, I'll never forget, and I won't mention the movie (laughs) or the makeup artist, because she could be listening. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I just remember working on a movie, and I was there as an additional working with the background. And the the department head makeup artist, she left the trailer. She came to set, and she sent me back to the trailer to finish – you know, to to uh, finish this girl that she was working on. Oh. And so when I get back there, it's a black girl that the shade that she used on the girl was too light. And so, because that was the darkest shade that she had. So she was trying to fix it, and it just wasn't working out. So basically... <laughs> Um, I had to pretty much fix the girl's foundation, do it all over. And then it was supposed to be like, I think it was like two featured background girls for this party scene. And so the first one she did, but the foundation wasn't right. She sent me back to fix that. And then when the other girl came in, I just did her from scratch. Well, fixed all that, did the other girl, and then it was time for lunch. We'd go to lunch. I'm, you know, we're, we're sitting at the table, and the girl that I did, that I did from start to finish, she was sitting across from me. Well, the director came and sat next to that girl, 
and she said, your makeup looks amazing. Who did your makeup? So she told her, I did. So this other makeup artist wasn't too far away from us, and I think she heard it. So then when we um, went to set, I don't think she was too happy about that because the the director kept talking about how nice she liked the girl's makeup. Um, you know, she saw the director talking to me, and then she wound up sending me home before we even got to that scene where those two girls were. Wow. So she said, uh-huh. So she told me I could wrap early. So I wrapped early before we ever got to that scene. And then she called me the next day and asked me, what did I use on that girl? So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, needless to say, she never called me back in to work for the remainder of that movie. But I had pretty much worked almost the entire movie. So it was getting close to the end, but I pretty much worked the entire movie. But because the director kept Went it on over this girl's makeup and complimenting her. Um, she never brought me back. And the thing about it is, the director could have been ooing it on over your work. If but you, you were not shape. prepared. Right. You were she not wasn't prepared. prepared. You were not prepared. So because we plan, that, makeup artists, if you have different shades in your kit, you're planning. Our white counterparts usually don't plan to have black people. Right. 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 Yeah. And we and go so, to work so for the, anybody. And so and I think I think one of the main issues to the whole this whole topic is that um they you know, like you said, they don't plan to do black people, so therefore their kits are not stopped with what they would need if they were to have a black client. Right. But on the flip side of that, we plan for any skin tone. And so our kits reflect yeah. that. And I think that's kind of what the issue, you know, what the issue is. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much the bottom line. It's just that they don't even plan to have the product. I mean, quite, you know, if the products were there, the average makeup artist would be able to do anybody. So I don't even think it's necessarily a, I don't know how to match your skin tone. It's you can't match it if you don't have it type of thing. <laughs> you can't match it if you don't have it. And if you don't have the knowledge of undertone, That's right. you're going to get it wrong anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. I just, um, well, what do we do? To, what do we do? Well, what do we do about that then? About them? We don't do anything about them. Is there a way of, is there a way of, no, no, I'm talking about the original question where you were talking about, like, you know, we pretty much, like, the whole thing that you would change, how do we change the industry? Or is there a way to change that situation? I think that um, cosmetic companies need to focus more on, you know, they send out a lot of products and everything is about numbers and bloggers and who's popular. Um, they need to send products to working makeup artists and they mm-hmm. need opinions from working makeup artists, not YouTubers, it's- no shade to them. 
you know, yeah. but they need opinion from working makeup artists because we'll be able to tell them this is too gray. Mm-hmm. It has too much red in it, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not happening. They're testing in-house and they're testing mm-hmm. in their circle. Yeah. And because that's how they're getting it wrong. At least with working makeup artists, they're going to be testing a range because they do a range of people. Whereas, you know, exactly. the the so-called beauty influencers, they are, um, they're pretty much doing makeup on themselves. So it's, it's only one shade or two or three shades that they need for highlighting, contouring, and matching their skin tone. Right. But they get sent the whole line. And I'm like, what are they doing with all of that? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's true. So they have to, you know, to working makeup artists and, and welcome the constructive criticism when it comes to, you know, getting it right for us as black women. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I think that, yeah, if, I, you know, they go, you know, it'll be improved much, much more if they, you know, reach out that way and stop looking at who's popular and numbers and things like that. Right. That's true. Because like my sister always says, you know, we are the real beauty influencers. You know, those of us who they don't even really know a lot about, they don't have the the, um, large following on social media, you know, we're not the ones who are getting the whole full product line and then just testing on ourselves. You know, we're working artists who work with several different skin tones. Um, um, and, and I like how you said, you know, um, the every, you know, you're working also with the everyday woman type of client, um, not necessarily, you know, pretty models with perfect skin, but the people who need correction and, you talked about covering tattoos or whatever the situation may be. You know, we're the working models dealing with all types of skin tones, all types of skin issues, um, and things like that. You know, so yes, um, like Zoe says, we are the real beauty influences. Yes, and and with that, you know, even with taking classes and such, I think that it's wonderful and great. But it blows my mind to go to a class and pay all this money. And the model has perfect skin. Well, what am I in your mm-hmm. class for and what am I really learning? Because in the real in real life, when I go, you know, work at wherever I'm working, I'm going to come in contact with a woman with dark circles. I'm going to come in contact with someone with hyperpigmentation or even hypopigmentation. You know, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, having big, vitiligo now is popular. So people try to emulate those things. But sometimes people... In real life, real women want to be able to cover that up. And if I'm mm-hmm. going to a class because I follow your work or whatever the case, sitting a model in your chair with perfect skin is not really going to help me. Right, right. So true. So true. But I think also the social media makes it um, – you know, when social media follow these these different artists who do this great beauty makeup, and yeah, they use perfect models. You know, I think social media makes 
makeup look like as something that's supposed to be just so easy, just like my sister says, you know, paint by numbers, you know, do the contouring, the highlighting, not even paying attention to, you know, what kind of correction does this person need or do they need it at all? You know, why are you highlighting her? Why are you highlighting her big forehead? You know, that's not cute type of thing. Um, So I, I just think social media makes everything look as if, you know, it's supposed to always be that way. Just that highlight contour real quick, you know, do this, do that, browse like this, and then it's not cute. And then when you have these everyday women walking around with these big block brows, mm-hmm. they just they just don't look right. They right. Just don't look and they're right. watching these videos. And they are, I had a client, <laughs> I gave her a one-on-one lesson, and she was like, well, why is it taking so long? Because when I'm on Instagram, they do it very fast. And I said, well, you have <laughs> to think about editing. You're not really seeing the entire transformation. Mm-hmm. It's right. time. It's something that you can really do in 60 seconds. And the fact that I had to explain that to her, you know, it was it was mind-blowing to me because people look at social media like that and think that, you know, we live in a microwave society anyway. But to think mm-hmm. that their makeup is supposed to be done in 60 seconds and why can't they move that fast, you know, people really get those things in their head because that's what they're used to seeing all the time. So it was really mind-blowing the way it works. That's not real life. Right. So they have that, you know, perception of things happening quickly, and all I have to do is put this around my the perimeter of my face, and there it is. Or this extreme color on the top of my brow, and now you have three D eyebrows, and they think it's okay. Uh huh. So it's important for me. It was also important when writing the book to be able to bring real women back down to reality. This is how you Uh do it. This is how it's done right. You know, there's step-by-step inside my book. This is how it's done. This is why I'm doing it. And if you don't love yourself, this is how you can start. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, last question, and since you said that, my last question is, what is your definition of beauty? Wow. Well, it's all about what you have on the inside, how you treat people, first of all. It's all about how you treat people and really what you think about yourself. Because mm-hmm. if you can't properly love yourself, you can't really expect someone else to. So it right. starts within you. You have to learn how to unleash your beauty, the beauty within you, um, you know, to really give it to others. But it's all about who you are on the inside and learning to love yourself and embrace everything that you have. And if you need your nose fixed, go to the doctor and, and handle your business. But 
you know, learn to love your big nose or your wide nose or your big lips or whatever you have. And then if, you know, you can't afford plastic surgery, you sit in the mirror and you properly learn how to enhance those things or correct those things with makeup. But it's Mm -hmm. all about what's on the inside, starting there. Nice. Absolutely. I totally, I totally, totally agree with that. It definitely starts on the inside. And um, and I think, and nothing against those people who get plastic surgery, but I do believe that if people approached it in the way that you're suggesting, that we probably would have less people getting plastic surgery. I believe that to be true. Because normally yeah. plastic surgery um you know, the need for plastic surgery or wanting it comes from self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and when you learn to embrace what you have and how to correct it, if makeup is your thing, you know, plastic surgery wouldn't be something that you would run to go get. And it's, most of it is trendy anyway, like the big butt thing. Please get rid of it. Like, you know, I'm right. <laughs> right. But it's right. all about embracing who you are and, and learning to love you. Exactly how you are. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much, Kim. This has really been enjoyable. I could talk all night, but I know we've gone a little bit past an hour, so I don't want to hold you um, hold you any longer, but thank you. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely keep in touch. Let us know what you're doing, and if you're um, having any classes or anything that you would like us to um, promote, we'll get the information here on, on the show in our news segment, or if you have something you want to email over, we'll post it on our Beauty Talk page on Instagram. Um, Great. Yeah, to get the information out, so just keep us posted with, with what you got going on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a wonderful uh, night and week and a great holiday. Thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, That was a great conversation. Um, Could have talked a little longer, but it is a little past 10, so I didn't want to hold our guests um, longer than that. But um, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. It was a great conversation. Um, Just want to encourage makeup artists out there to really study and learn their craft um, when it comes to um, building a kit, to always expect uh, the unexpected, I guess you could say, and always prepare your kit for whoever will show up. Um, sometimes when you go on jobs, you you know exactly who you're going to be doing. Sometimes people will send a picture. Um, sometimes people will describe, you know, um, and tell you what their skin tone is. Um, But sometimes you go in blindly and you don't know at all. 
I just want to encourage uh, makeup artists out there to really go in there and um, have a kit that will work for anyone um, and just always be prepared for whatever the job is. Okay? So, again, I want to thank Kim Oubre for joining us tonight. As again, I want to thank you guys for listening and for tuning in. Um, big shout-out to our listener. Uh, we have a listener that listens by phone every Sunday night from somewhere in Texas. I don't know where. But thank you for always tuning in. Really appreciate you always tuning in and listening in. So thank you very much. Um I'm trying to think next. So next Sunday is Christmas Eve. Eve. Yep. So we will not have a show next Sunday. Actually, this is um, the last. Um, this is the last um, show of the year. Actually, it actually is. This is the last show of the year. Um, we have so many things planned for 2018. Uh, in 2018 will be year number 10 for this show. So we have a lot of things um, we have a lot of things planned. And so we won't have a show um, next Sunday on Christmas Eve or on New Year's Eve, but if I'm not mistaken, January so January 1st is on a Monday. So it will be I don't know the date off the top of my head, but it'll be the what is that the second no, no, the first. It'll, it'll, no, it'll be it'll be the first Sunday, right? Yeah, it should be the seventh or or the eighth, something like that. Okay, of January, which will be still the first uh, Sunday in January. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the very yeah the very first Sunday. So the very first Sunday in January, January seventh, is when we'll have our next show. So um, we just want everyone to have a very safe and happy holiday. And tune in on January 7th when we'll have our very first show of year number 10 for Beauty Talk. So we have a lot of exciting guests that we're going to try to bring on um, next year. A lot of You'll hear a lot of panel discussions um, next year with various, you know, various guests in one show. A um, lot of interesting topics we'll be bringing. If any of you have a suggestion or idea as to something that you may want to hear us talk about or um, possible guests that you may want us to bring on, whether it's a makeup artist, hairstylist, nail tech, barber, uh, product company, um, beauty magazine, whatever that has to do with beauty, give us a, send us an email. Beauty Girls Media at Gmail. That's B E A U T Y G I R L S M E D I A at Gmail dot com and we'll definitely consider um your suggestions. So um if you have any ideas, you can definitely send them to us. We like um we like to consider all that our listeners um have to say. Um and you know, we'll have a little something a little different uh for you guys next um next year, but, but you have to tune in and follow us. And you can just share with them how they can follow us on social media. You can often follow us on Facebook. We're Beauty Talk Online Radio. And then on Twitter, we're Beauty underscore Talk. 
and then on Instagram, we're beauty underscore talk underscore media. Right. And then you can follow um, you can follow me on all my social media. So that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm at Denise. That's D E N I S E Tunnel T U N N E L L. And you can follow Janice on her social media. She's at Janice Tunnel. That's J A N I C E T U N N E L L. All right. So there you have it. Again, January seventh. 2018, we'll be back here for our first show of Beauty Talk um, in the new year. We thank you so very much uh, for tuning in, not only tonight, but tuning in all year long. And for those of you who have been following us from the very beginning, thank you for following us for almost 10 years strong. Um, It hasn't been an easy 10 years, um, but we, we think we've found... A, um, a formula that works. So, um, again, we thank you for your participation and for for always um, tuning in and just showing your support. So, thank you very much. Have a wonderful night and have a beautiful and blessed week and have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Thank you, guys. God Happy bless. House. How would you like to become friends with benefits? I'm sure that got your attention. I'm talking about FriendsBeauty.com, now offering a benefits discount program to all of our friends. That's right. Professionals that qualify can save up to 40% and non-professional consumers up to 10% just for setting up a free account online. At FriendsBeauty, we offer a huge range of products, including beauty makeup, special FX and theatrical makeup, skincare, wigs and extensions, styling tools, and more with thousands of brands at the best prices. We've been in business since 1940 and pride ourselves on ensuring our friends have the best shopping experience ever. Sign up for our Friends Discount Program and shop with us today at Friends, that's F-R-E-N-D-S, no I, beauty.com, friendsbeauty.com. We also offer studio services for production orders at 818 691 1294. That's 818-691-1294. Join our program and become a friend with benefits today.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.